Pod. Didn't even try. I'm not, not. I'm not competing with you today. Hello, I'm your host, Internet Keith, and welcome to the Titans edition of Football and Other F Words. It's been a minute, and it's good to see you again. How many minutes? Exactly one. Been one whole minute. What's uh, what's that Rent song? How many minutes or days or something till they all died of AIDS? What I on Rent? Do we like have to restart the podcast no. already? Yeah, I didn't watch the. Let's musical not go down the AIDS Rent Road. Well, okay. I'm just <laughs> saying. I mean, it's all over Fox. <laughs> we it's it's I mean, timely. It's have I Fox. not? Have I not discussed on the podcast at some point that I think that musical movies are, the, are just an atrocious oh, addition to thank humanity? You. But it is a thank good excuse you. to see Vanessa Hudgens. On I the TV. don't give a damn. Yeah. The second someone opens their mouth to start singing about the plot, I'm out. A hundred percent. I am 100% out. Hundred percent. I don't care how attractive South they are. Park, bigger, longer, and uncut I am is out. a revelation. I am out. <laughs> it is singing. <laughs> yes. Thank you. Whatever. I am out. <laughs> Well, agree to disagree. <laughs> agree to agree. That's a hot take about uh, South Park, uh, bigger, longer, uncut. Right? It's, it's going to piss some people it's off wonderful. right there. Out. Uh, today <laughs> on the Titans I edition. Said, I said what I said. <laughs> I said I was out. <laughs> today on the Titans edition, we're going to be talking about the uh, new offensive coordinator hire. We're going to be talking about, uh, we're going to take a temperature check on Marcus and John, on Johnny R., Mm, Nobody no, calls him that. J Rob. Johnny, uh, Johnny, Johnny R. R. <laughs> that sounds like Johnny Chimpo. I feel like, <laughs> I feel like there's some smart ass at his church that probably tried to pull that one time. Got a new deacon, Johnny R. And he just gave him that look. We're not calling no, him that. No, no. I apologize for that. Uh, well, as now always, we're going to have to call him Johnny R. for the rest of the podcast. Now we're definitely right? going to have to restart the podcast. <laughs> as always, I'm joined by some hooligans. I've got. The artist formerly known as Mr. Lebowski, Michael Gillum, how are you? It's still Mr. Lebowski, which is my Twitter handle, but I just decided it's time for you all to know my real name. So there it's it is. It's a big step. Yeah. yeah. It's a big step. He trusts yeah. you guys. So He's now I'm going to spend the rest of the season. I'm spending the rest of the season going as Machine Gun Gillum. <laughs> <laughs> no, you're not. You're off the pod if you do. Uh, also joining us, we got Zebo. How are you doing, Zebo? Doing pretty good. I'm feeling really good about uh, the new offensive coordinator, so... Okay. I'm really pumped. Yeah. Let's talk about it. I'm We're ready. Going to. Mike Herndon. What? What? What do you want? He's here. How are you? Uh, well, you know. Nobody cares. So, no. so, so saucy entering the uh, second <laughs> season. <my guys. laughs> what, do you, what do you want? What do you want? What do you want from <laughs> like me? We, like we force him to be here. I want <laughs> you guys to tell me about our new offense coordinator. That's what I want. Well, first, he's goes by King Arthur. <laughs> He's arrived on a stallion. Hear ye, hear ye. That's a callback. He's a goofy looking motherfucker. Let me tell you something. Yeah? He he is he looks like a schlub. Well, he looks like a guy that probably spends a lot of time in the film room. Yes. That's what he looks I'm like. I'm okay Good. with that. Yeah. Yeah. I'm okay that he doesn't have perfect okay eyebrows that. like LaFleur or whatever. I like it. I like that he's goofy looking because it makes all of the pictures I can Photoshop of him that much better. Yes. And was was LaFleur married? I can't remember. Yes. Okay. Yes. All right. As a child, too, I think. Yeah. What? So his gallery. He was why, married as a child. Uh, yes. It's <laughs> very weird situation. He was a, a child fact, bride. Offensive coordinators are entered into marriage at age seven. That y'all didn't know <laughs> as that as did soon you? as they meet Sean McVay. That's right. Exactly <laughs> what happens there. Is that the whole thing with the Sean McVay is it is uncovered the depths of the NFL of how offensive coordinators are actually grown in a lab. Wow. Offensive coordinator. Right. So they just they're, come out of the womb 30 years old. There's no, there's no womb involved. It's actually a test tube. And we're going to get into an investigative series here about offensive coordinators and what lab they're grown in. Stay tuned. 
Their That's sex right. trafficking ring where they're married off to. Well, I wasn't even going to go there. <laughs> well, well, I wasn't even into it. I wasn't even going to get into that. But that that's, that's, that's of course going to be. That's going to be our our new podcast called Offensive. <laughs> <laughs> we uh, say things. Are they true or not? It doesn't matter. You're going to stop listening. They're definitely offensive. Uh, though. We're offensive coordinators. Oh. Exactly. See, I tied it in. Let's yeah. bring it back we're, to the We're, we're here to coordinate the offensiveness. Yeah. So let's talk about Art Smith. <laughs> da 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 da. I'm oh, sorry. That was Keith. That was Keith asking for his real yeah. introduction. Um, tell us about him. I I don't know much about this this fella. Well, uh, I listened to what's what's the OTP stand for that podcast? Official Titans podcast. Yeah, I don't like it. Yeah, that's, it's not, um, that's, that's so not I something you don't abbreviate yeah. really. I listened to the uh, first first time I've ever listened to it because I wanted to hear a little bit more about Art Smith, and they had Dave McGinnis on, who is a big proponent of Art Smith. And one of the things that he talked about was this guy is first in, last out, which you hear that about everybody. But he, he breaks down film and has done it ever since he got hired. So when he got hired as a defensive quality control assistant to, you know, Dave McGinnis, whatever the fuck his title was, uh, he, Dave had him, Dave was in charge of presenting the opposing team's protection packages of the offensive line to the defense. Mm-hmm. So he gave that job. He's like, I've been here. I've been coaching for 33 years. I ain't got time for this. Uh, Art, <laughs> you handle it. And so Art would put together the PowerPoint presentation of the what he thought was important and put together the protection packages and made a PowerPoint, gave it to Dave. Well, Jerry Gray asked Dave you know, to present it to the defensive team. So you would say he's proficient in Microsoft PowerPoint. Yes, he, he is okay. PowerPoint certified. Great. And Dave goes, again, I've been doing this for 33 years. Let Art present it to the team. So Art was responsible for showing the other team's protection packages to the whole defense. And from there, I mean, he survived three or four head coaches or regimes since then and been kept on every time. I th- he's the only player or the only coach that's been on staff all the years that Marcus has been on been a quarterback. Yeah. So there's a special he relationship there. He started under Munchak. Yeah. He started under Munchak. Jerry Gray specifically brought him over. Wisenhunt, then went through Malarkey and is now with Vrabel. So, I mean, yeah. that's a lot of he's, – he's seen some shit. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, and to be quite honest, this is what the Patriots do. Yeah. Except for they don't have, you know, tons of head coaching changes. So this is kind of an anomaly that an uh, assistant coach uh, went through all this. Uh, the only other one I can think of, and we'll get into it later when we talk about other tight end coaches, was Kevin Stefanski. Mm-hmm. But he's getting rewarded because he puts in the hard work. He sounds like the tight end uh, offensive version of Mike Vrabel. He sounds like a guy that puts in the hours. And for those that don't know, we – we didn't know until we started talking about Art Smith. Fred Smith, uh, founder of FedEx and all that shit, or president or whatever he is, is his father. So y- this is an un- when you start out as like a quality assistant coach or whatever he was, you're an unpaid intern pretty much. I mean, you get paid, but I mean, you, you get paid shit. Right. And this guy a paid intern yeah. almost exactly like that. Yeah, and this guy didn't have to do that. This guy did it because he loves football. And the love of football and willing to, willingness to grind it like he has. I mean, he's he's a grinder. He could probably be Gruden's grinders. Um, that and and when you don't have to do it, 
When yeah. you don't have to do it and you choose to do it anyway, that puts you on another level in my book. Yeah. Not only that, I mean, he is, like you said, he has survived multiple dumpster fires at the Titans organization, and he hasn't left. Yeah. I, mean, I mean, this is also a situation where, obviously, he was recommended to stay for each one. I, I'm assuming that's how that went. But he also didn't seek opportunities somewhere else. So there is something to be said for that, at least within the organization, to where he's seen the worst of the worst. He's also been there through the entire tenure of, of Mariota so far. So I'm, I'm intrigued by this. I'm actually more intrigued by this than if the Titans just were to hire offensive coordinator X. Exactly. You just hire somebody and there's going to be that subset plus or minus. that's going to be like, Oh, but look at the job he did at this and that. So I'm actually intrigued by this because none of us really know much about him other than his work. I think it's through the roof. And every player I saw tweeting today was like, Oh hell yes. Yeah. Fantastic. Awesome for you. Good for, to see it. Former players, Michael Roos, um, yeah. Taylor Lewan, Delaney Walker obviously came out in big support of it. Um, his background, he actually played offensive line at North Carolina um, in college and was like, you know, if you read his bio from North Carolina, he was lauded for his leadership. He was a team captain. Everyone thought he was going to be a coach in college. Um, he's one of those guys. And since he played offensive line, you know, he's smart. Um, <laughs> but he... So, and he's coached mostly offensive line and tight ends, but he's also, like you said, been a defensive assistant. Um, so he's seen a lot of different position groups. He's got a well-rounded background. And um, I think Blake Bettingfield put it out on Twitter, you know, talking about, you know, his support of the hire as well. Um, and obviously he overlapped quite a bit with Art Smith for many years um, in, when he was in the scouting department for the Titans. But he said – you know, just because you haven't heard of Art Smith doesn't mean he's a bad coach. It means he's not as good at self-promotion as, you know, uh, John Filippo or, you know, maybe one of these other guys that has a bigger name but really doesn't have any different experience level than Art Smith. It's just people people don't hear the name. They haven't heard the name before, so they assume he's terrible or he right. sucks. Otherwise, we I would have heard of him, right? He doesn't you know? have a Wikipedia page, so he's – obviously not good right yeah and that's the first thing everyone always does when you go to hire a new coach is google his wikipedia page look at where he's coached before and determine immediately right. whether he's a good good at his job or not which you have no idea what the fuck he's done or not done yeah which he, he really was, gets on he was the offensive coordinator for southwestern missouri technical college and Oh four, who yeah. they went undefeated so he's got to be good got to be awesome there's gotta usually be. two reasons why you have a wikipedia page you're famous and or good at something, or all three names are listed because you murdered multiple people. <laughs> <laughs> multiple people. I, I, I'm I excited. I think I may actually be more excited for this hire than I was for the LaFleur hire as offensive coordinator. And I think it's because they're, they're both kind of the same. They they're. It's just that we built ourselves up knowing, okay, this is what LaFleur was supposed to do. Okay, so while it was exciting to have that kind of goal all off season and that hope, this is kind of a different because we really don't know what he's going to do. We've heard from Delaney Walker in an article today say that he expects basically the same style of offense, which is a West Coast offense, but with his own, you know, input into it, his own little changes here and there and everything. And to me, it's kind of exciting that. He's been through various offensive systems and seen various sides of the ball like we've already talked about. Mm -hmm. And so it could be, you know, not to, you know, get our hopes up, but it could be some kind of hybrid, 
you know, West Coast Smash Mouth kind of thing that could be the first of its kind. It's going to be one of those things. Other teams can't prepare for what Arthur Smith may or may not do right now. You yeah. could kind of prepare as a defensive coordinator for what Lafleur may may have done because you you got you know Shanahan tapes, you got Rams tape, you, I mean the McVay tapes and all that kind of stuff. You got all the tapes you can watch. You really don't know what Art Smith's going to bring, and with the tight lipness of this organization, we're not going to know. What, yeah. what Art Smith's plan it really is, you know, outside of, you know, generic sound bites, I'm sure we're going to get all offseason. Yeah. I'm, I'm just excited that it's not a retread. It's not McCarthy. It's not somebody who's shown that they're not evolving with the current state of the NFL. What good is a fucking retread? Yeah. I mean, in all honesty, what good is a retread hire? There's nothing wrong with being a retread. Well, because uh, but, uh, you've been fired once doesn't mean well, doesn't you're automatically mean, bad. Well, no, not, I'm not talking about people that have been fired once, but let's talk about Hugh Jackson, who's been oh, fired yeah, numerous times. Oh, yeah, Hugh Jackson's times. a shitty football coach. I mean, that's <laughs> what I'm saying. I mean, but what good is it for our team to have a retread hire, especially if it's a retread hire Depends that's been... Depends on who it is. But, but it's... But Andy that's Reid been, was a retread hire. Bill well, Belichick was a, okay, a retread now, hire. Pete Carroll was a retread hire. Now let's, there, you can have good retreads. Being a retread does not make you bad, Coach. What good and, is it for the team for continuity-wise is what I'm saying. No, so I, we, I we, agree. Yeah. I agree with that. I, I don't think. That's, that's one of the things I'm saying. There's two different kinds of retread hires. The ones that, are, that probably got fired that are eventually going to get head coaching gigs probably the next year, even though they just got fired. And then there's going to be the ones that kind of suck. No, I mean, yeah. it, it's just not a retread hire is not real. I pounded the table for Gary Kubiak. Yeah, that's a retread hire. Exactly. And but he also had no delusions of ever going to be a head coach again. Yeah. So that that was a little different for that particular one. But really, I, I think for Marcus's sake is that this was the best hire probably outside. Of Mark Helfrich, this was the best hire I think they could have made. I, I, I think it's better than Helfrich. I mean, I, I would put him better than Helfrich. And I'll, I'll I'll agree with Mike with this that it's this is what's so weird about the NFL is that I don't even the word retread for coaches makes it seem like it's it's a bad thing. Mm-hmm. I tend to look at it as I kind of feel like the situation the Titans were in with who was available. I really like this this move to promote from within because. I do feel like the rest were the the candidates that would have been available don't necessarily fit what we're looking to do. Mm-hmm. Are they willing to take direction from a new young head coach? Blah blah blah. But at the same time, what kills me about NFL fans in general is that you'll bitch quote unquote about a retread, but look at fans who start clamoring for name brands the second we need a player. Mm-hmm. I mean, how many yeah. times did Des Bryant? Bryant. Gotta I was get just going to say, Des Bryant, the ones that will sit there and go, Gary Kubiak, what the fuck, are the ones who are sitting there saying. <laughs> He's too old. Or saying Des Bryant, even though Des Bryant couldn't run a 640 if he was in a pickup truck. So, <laughs> anyways, I just, to, to go back to it, I like it. It's it's a move within the organization, and I kind of feel like it, the reason why I'm excited about this is because as a bit of a gambler, like, this is full on John Robinson variable show at this point, and the pants are around the ankles. Like <laughs> it's out there. This is happening or it's not. So I'm interested to see it. It's it's a new new corner for the uh, Titans to turn, and let's see what happens. I'm I'm excited about this from one specific aspect. I, I think you could have gone with. I would have been okay with like a Kubiak. I would have been excited yeah. about that because. 
fit and everything, but he wanted to bring his own coaching staff. It would have been a reboot to some degree. Art Smith is going to largely keep – he's going to keep the, the language of the offense intact, which is a big deal as far as getting everybody on the same page, knowing what this is. They're not, they're not going to be going back to square one to start memorizing yeah. what we call all these routes again or anything like that. It's, it's going to be picking up where you left off, which gets you a little bit ahead on the install. Now, he can also bring in – Aspects from the Wizenhunt offense that worked for Mariota because Mariota was good his rookie year under Wizenhunt. Yep. Now, there were other things that didn't work, like the production around him and stuff like that, but he was good his rookie year under Wiz. So, so bring some Wizenhunt shit back. Bring some malarkey shit that worked. Right. Bring, you know, bring all these pieces together, and he can talk to Mariota on a level that even LaFleur and really nobody else has been able to previously because he can say, you remember that play we ran back in 2015, yeah. 2016 against this look? What do you think about going back to that? And, and that kind of level of communication and familiarity will be immensely helpful, I think. And you heard uh, the Patriots talk about it today with that last drive. Peter King brought it up in his article this morning. They – Put in a they ran a play against the Chiefs on in that overtime drive that was not on the install for the the game plan that week. They had not planned on running this play. It wasn't they even installed in, nine of them that day. Yeah, they installed the game nine plays that morning, but this wasn't even one of them. This wasn't even in the install, and they just said, "Hey, you remember that play we ran? You know." XYZ. It was the Gronk play. It right? was the Gronk slant on yeah. third and ten to to really get them set up for the touchdown, and is a play that they just. Hey, we know that this has worked against this look before. We're gonna we've used it before. We're gonna go back to it. Everybody knows what they're doing because we've been in the same damn system for nine years, and you know we we well, understand each other. And so, well, I guess what I'm would probably be most satisfied to see is that I think this gives us our best opportunity since Lafleur left to really shake out as much as you can in one season what we're going to get long-term out of Mariota. Yeah, This is the best consistency offer that you could give to Mariota to say it truly is on your shoulders now. You know, here, here's – I mean, this is where it's at. It's not a perfect system, but he's been here since the beginning. You know, hopefully there's a system put in place that, that you know, goes on Mariota's strengths. But I, I really do truly think that's the best opportunity we have to see what we've got in Mariota – we, as in being fans who are all about Mariota and truly think he's a franchise quarterback, and those who are, you know, pretty much done with him at this point. Mm-hmm. I think either way, it gives you the best fair shake of trying to see either confirm your your bias or <laughs> or you know exceed it. Yeah. Another thing is is look at linebacker coaches and tight end coaches. They generally go on to. Tight end coaches sometimes go to do offensive line coaching or quarterback coaching before they become an offensive coordinator. But a lot of those, the linebacker coaches go directly into defensive coordinator position. And then tight ends pretty much almost can be the same way depending on how the structure is on the team they're on. The reason that both those guys can do those coordinator positions is because as a linebacker coach and as a uh, tight end coach, you have to know the whole side of your ball. It's just not your position. You have to know pass protections. You have to know route trees. You have to know 
this and that, and it's the same way on the defense uh, for the linebackers coaches. They have to know whatever, uh, not just their core group's doing, but what everybody else does because that's how the position is done. And look at the job that Art Smith has done since becoming our tight end coach and taking over for Mike Malarkey, who is a very good tight ends coach, Mike Malarkey. And he, Delaney under his uh, three years, uh, 15, 16, and 17, as tight ends coach, uh, Delaney was the number three in receiving yards among all tight ends for he those three years. He also made the Pro Bowl every single one of those yeah. years, and those are the only years of his career that he's made the Pro Bowl. And then look what he did having to thrust all this responsibility on Janu, who only got better every week in receiving and in blocking. Mm-hmm. That's coaching. Look at what he did for Ferkser, Michael Pruitt, and Luke Stocker. I mean, we're talking about a bunch of no-name guys after John and Delaney. And, I mean, we missed Delaney. Yeah. But, I mean, th- he got the most out of those guys than any other coach could have. Yeah, and, I mean, with the injuries and everything, the people that we brought in at wide receiver didn't necessarily pick up and continue to excel. And those people that you just mentioned, all the tight ends – absolutely made strides the yeah. whole year so yeah and that, and that just comes down to the coaching and a guy who he can obviously relate and communicate what goes down in every facet of the game that matters on offense and the, a lot of that we don't know what kind of play caller he is we, I don't know if he's going to be good we don't know if he's going to be bad we can't make that judgment until the proof is in the pudding until we see it in the regular season but as of right now, this was the best hire I think the Titans could have made. My only, my only one wonder about this is why did it take so long? Like I, I know we know they interviewed three outside candidates. We don't know when they did it or whatever. Who they are, and yeah. yeah, we don't know anything about it. But I mean, it just seems like it really took forever for you to just come to grips with Art Smith. Who uh, was it, Rhett? Brian, mm-hmm. that brought him up on uh, 3HL or Midday or something? I, I don't know was, which show. I think it was 3HL, I want to uh, say. Yeah. And then PK wrote an article. Yeah. Pretty much the the art train happened within the first few days of us being in the offense coordinator yeah, search. Yeah, it was almost immediate. And Matt LaFleur, who we just got rid of, had, was wanting to bring Art Smith over to Green Bay. We blocked him because you can, you can. You can only not block for head coaching moves. And – we blocked him, and someone, a former offensive a staff member or whatever, said Matt Lafleur better have an Art Smith with him in Green Bay. Someone that is an Art Smith type. So yeah. he's a highly, highly regarded and respected, and he's young. I think he's. Yeah. Dave McGinnis said he was twenty-seven. No, probably meant thirty-seven. Yeah, I think. He's, if, I, if I had to I think make he's a in guess. his thirties. Yeah, he's definitely in his thirties because I think he graduated college two thousand six. So that would put him right around thirty-seven, yeah. more than likely. Yeah. That's a young. That's what you wanted, right? Everybody wants the sh- next Sean McVay. He's not as young as Sean McVay was, but Sean McVay not quite was, as good looking. Yeah, uh, almost. He was a t- Sean McVay tight ends coach. Went straight into offensive coordinator. Never called plays before. Offensive coordinator now head coach in the Super Bowl. Yeah, there there are plenty of other examples. I mean, they're all listed on the Twitter account, and I provide context to every the the one. It's a great thread. It, y'all should y'all should really check the, the, it out. The problem with I'm seeing with the thread is people are wondering, you know, what tight end coaches were bus. 
Well, I did put in Rob Chudzinski. I mean, it's not like Rob Chudzinski is this great offensive coordinator, but he is a respected offensive coordinator. But I also can't Google all the fucking head coaches <laughs> or offensive coordinators that have ever played the game. Yeah. It wasn't to say – that thread's not to say that, okay, well, he's automatically going to be good. Yeah, it's not it's saying the, that all yeah. tight end coach make great offensive coordinators every single time. Or even great head coaches because, yeah. I mean, Mike Malarkey's an all right head coach, but would anybody say he's a great head coach? No. I mean, that's the thing. It was to say that... Well, I know one person, though. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, the, it's to say that we didn't know... Nobody knew what these guys were when they became offensive coordinators or what they could be, besides the people in their building that spend all the time with them. Yeah. People spend all the time around Sean McVay. We've had four or five different regimes keep Arthur Smith. To your, to your question, you're kind of asking how they chose to do it. They interview everybody that's currently on staff when a new head coach comes through, and they decide who they're going to keep. I mean, he's the only one to make it through all these different head coaches, right. so that has to tell you something. Well, and that's where, you know, to back up what you were saying about, you know, why did it take so long to name him, it's hard for me to nitpick that because I've never seen the, in, you know, I've never yeah. seen the internal workings of, a, of an NFL organization and how they decide to hire but at the same time, it could have been as simple and completely hypothetical here, but it could have been as simple of a situation as, look, you block a new NFL coach from wanting to interview him because you know obviously he wants to try to steal him away. But I would think that on the flip side of that, you also want to make sure that Art is comfortable with staying with you because if you're going to block him from staying, if he's just going to stay here for apathy, well, then why offer him the job? So they may have wanted to just kind of vet him out a little bit to say, okay, we're about to make a big move here. But the first thing we did was block you from taking a, a position, you know, with, at, at a promotion. Green Bay, you know, basically a promotion at a, at a team that arguably obviously has probably the most history in the NFL. So Anyways, where I'm going with that is it could have just been a simple situation of vetting them out of how do you feel about actually staying here without tipping their hand to what they were trying to promote him to do. Could well, have been that. And, and, a good, and I'll say this about Vrabel <clears throat> and J-Rob this offseason. While it's been frustrating that we had no clue what the fuck was really going on. <laughs> Except uh, that they were definitely yeah. talking to Sean Mannion. Yeah, they were definitely, definitely talking happening. to Sean Mannion, but uh, <laughs> they went with chose Art Smith over him. But um, – Thank God. It's <laughs> the fact that they blocked Green Bay, and we only know of Green Bay calling for our assistance, but they blocked all of all those coaches from interviewing with Green Bay. Mm-hmm. Continu- they, they are looking at this as we are giving Marcus every chance. and But not only just Marcus, they're giving this whole team a chance to have some continu- continuity and some you know consistency yeah. and that is that good job by them yeah. whether you like Keith Carter and his gremlin looking ass or not <laughs> i mean i was hoping that Keith Carter would go but we got to keep Tony Dews and yeah. Tony Dews is LaFleur's like best bud i mean he him and LaFleur were tight and the only reason Tony Dews has that job with the Titans specifically is because LaFleur was there and i really thought that he would could have been a dark horse for offensive coordinator so yeah. i Props to them. Well, let, let's keep talking about this after a quick word from our sponsors. All right. Uh, you were saying about Tony Dews and the assistant coaches. Yeah. I, I so, think I just think it's a good idea that we kept them all and blocked I them. And, and I will say, I know a lot of people were mad at Keith Carter and everything like that. I will say this in his defense. And I've, I did a 
very deep dive on the offensive line this week. Deep. But if you look at where they – I mean, the it took them some time to really get going. But once they did, they were pretty spectacular down the stretch. If you look at just that last month, and, you know, I've, I've seen some people say, well, his schedule was easy or something like that. They played the Jets, which is not a bad defense. They pay, played the Jaguars, which is a great defense. Now, maybe the Jaguars weren't super motivated or whatever, but um, they did just – they were just coming off shutting out the Colts. So, let's not pretend like the Jaguars are – were easy to play against at that there, point. There's nothing that they would have loved more than oh, to embarrass 100%. us in our in, in prime time in our house. A hundred percent. So I'm not I'm not really buying that. And then uh, let's see, it was it was what Jets, Jaguars, Giants, Giants Redskins, both great defenses. Redskins is a really good defense, and Colts was one of the best run defenses in the mm-hmm. NFL. So I'm not buying that it was just oh well, it was scheduled. Oh, it was just you know people weren't trying or whatever most of those teams were still in the playoff hunt when we played them uh besides the jets and the jaguars but i mean the offensive line clicked it it did they were number one in the nfl in adjusted line yards over the last month of the season they were seventh in football outsiders pass blocking metric as a as a unit um so if they play if that's the question is whether that was a fluke of them just suddenly having some inspired play. Was it motivated by Quentin Spain getting benched and suddenly everybody being like, oh shit, jobs are on the line? Or was it just finally this new you know, run, zone, zone blocking scheme, running game starting to click? And if it was that, if it was the running game and the new zone blocking scheme starting to click and Keith Carter had kind of, you know, maybe it took you a little bit longer than you would have liked but he got it there, and I would love to see what year two of that looks like. Absolutely. I mean, honestly, because if you could run the ball like that and pass protect like that over a 16-game season, there's going to be a lot of things this offense can do. So Yeah, and, um, and I will say that I think zone blocking schemes are extremely tricky mm-hmm. to get off the bat because it takes a like next-level kind of like mind connection with your other yeah. linemen to get right. You, you're making judgments on a second-by-second second basis of this guy's stunning inside and the linebacker's coming over the top. Which guy do I have? And if one guy messes that up, it's a blown-up play. Yeah. But if it works correctly, that's six points. And, and to your point of all that, I know everybody wants to move Conklin to right guard or whatever. I mean, I, I just don't agree. I, I think it's ridiculous because they all are blaming his poor play on his talent level. No, it's not that. It's it's not that. We I think we discussed it on the podcast already about you know when you miss time when you're you know not there. We're gonna have a whole off season of Jack Conklin, a former All Pro right tackle, in the zoe blocking scheme. All, all off season. More importantly, I think he's going to be lifting and, yeah. and doing cardio and right. everything else that he missed yep. out on for weeks right. going into that, the season. That's regardless of what you think about the interior line play. If we get Conklin back to all pro level with Taylor Lewan on the other side, yeah. it, it's going to be a good offensive line. And you hope that they do something in free agency or the draft to help the interior offensive line. But they may not have to after reading Big Mike's article on on Music City Miracles. I'm kind. I mean, I have fallen in love with a few offensive line prospects yeah. for the upcoming draft, but I'm not convinced that 
we have to do anything. I'm definitely, I'm definitely not convinced. I, I think I'm maybe out on free agency ad- additions yeah. for the offensive line unless a guard comes through. That is just you can't pass up. Yeah, with our cap situation, could, I don't think we need to make any reaches. If you could get Ramon Foster on a, I'm coming home to play a couple years in my home state deal. Sure, like yeah. that, I, I'd be down for something like that. If Roger Saffold somehow is on the market, I wouldn't be opposed to that. You're gonna have to replace left guard one way or another, right? Or in, unless you re-sign Spain. So, um, you know, if you think Levin's ready for a starting gig, I'm not that opposed to going back with Lawan Jones, Levin, Klein, Conklin as your starters, yeah, and then go draft a you know guard center guy in the top, you know two or three rounds and let him compete. I mean, if he pushes somebody out of a job, great. If he doesn't, I don't think it's the end of the world. If you end up with a largely similar looking line. Yeah. And if there's no market again for Spain, I'm totally fine with bringing him back. Oh, yeah. A hundred percent. Yeah. If he, co- if he goes out and can't find a deal and we can bring him back for, you know, almost nothing or whatever, yeah. you know, even if it's like three or $4 million a year or something like that, I, I think he'd be worth bringing. I mean, back, it's, but. it's definitely our offensive line isn't where it has been in the past. But I think over the course of the, the year, you saw it improve. Mm-hmm. And I know the Ravens game and the sacks by Marcus and all this stuff, I mean, that just leaves a bad taste in your mouth. The, the games and Marcus just getting injured off of hits and stuff like that. But it is what it is. But not to – I don't want to get too far off and just talk about offensive line. But I, I think going back to the consistency – Given it seems like Vrabel knows what he's doing to build a team, yeah, and you keep it consistent. I it, I know nobody wants to hear Patriots way, but I mean he's seen how Bill has handled his staff, That's and he do. seems to be doing it his way too. Yeah. I mean he has a definitely a different style of aggressiveness to him than Bill does, but I mean it looks like he t- he's brought all the worthwhile parts that you want from the Patriots way to the the Titans, yeah. I feel really good about the direction Vrabel's taking things. Yeah. I mean, um, let's talk about the direction that Marcus is going and where you see him fitting in. Yeah, I, I want to get a quick, just around the table, temperature check on where are you at with Marcus? Keith, I'll we'll start with I'll you. I'll start. I have no fucking idea. <laughs> I still like. So would you say you're like a lukewarm, tepid, like. Yes. Maybe you can get into the pool, you know, by your ankles yeah. before you have to get out. Like personality-wise, leadership-wise, hundred percent on board. Talent-wise, consistency-wise, total question mark. I like it's like this year never even really happened. In that, I it's still a question mark. Like I don't know what we have in Derrick Henry, and I don't know what we have in Marcus. Like it's just one of those things. Like two this of the year top, was kind of a wash. Two of the, the biggest uh, three pieces for that offense, by yeah, the way, yeah. are question marks. I agree. Yeah, uh, I, I don't know. It's just question marks over here. Gillum, I'm I'm very much in the same boat. This is coming from somebody who spent this last season of the podcast talking about. I, I'm pretty sure I spent the last half of the season talking about how I really didn't have much of a question that Marcus was our franchise quarterback, and I, I think don't, we all did. At I one don't point. know. It's the leadership values unquestionably are there. The locker room presence, obviously, these guys would die on a hill for him. But if we get six or seven games into a season, into this season. And it's going along the same roller coaster up and down, dip and dunk path. 
I, I really think you've got a problem. I think you got a problem on your hands to where the talent may just not be there. And I seriously hope I'm wrong. I really, I'm trying to be such an optimist here by even going to the point of saying, I feel like that the, the, the art hire gives this team the least amount of off-season turmoil that you possibly could by losing an offensive coordinator as a head coach. And I feel like that this is the most stable off-season the Titans will have in, in quite a while. You're going into year two of a new head coach, and it seems relatively quiet for an offseason for a team that seems to have some kind of semi-disaster happening every time we go into the offseason where <laughs> Wiz and Hunt's a disaster. It's obvious he's going to get fired four games into the next year or is Malarkey really the answer? That it, You know, just never, it just for the last 10 to 15 years, it seems like this team has not had an offseason where it's like the biggest thing we need to deal with is making sure that the quarterback is completely healthy. What tune-ups do we need on the O-line? But Marcus is the big key here. And if he doesn't, if he cannot take advantage of of this situation with Art, I don't think he can take advantage of it anywhere. And I think he'll end up being just a backup quarterback. Can I can I jump in before yeah. we get to Yuzibo? My biggest fear <clears throat> for the Titans is a Kirk Cousins contract situation. Is I, if we pay him that money and we're stuck. I don't think I, – I really do not think that Vrabel will do that. I have nothing to back this up on. I just don't see Vrabel signing a contract for him if Marcus doesn't come out and basically turn into Mahomes Jr. this year. I'm, I'm just scared that if we have another lukewarm season like this one, he, he we, won't. He won't get a contract if he has I, another season like he's had the last. Two I know, years, but they will not give him I am one. terrified that if that we're just afraid to roll with Gabbert or whoever we sign in the offseason, whatever scrub backup we sign, I'm terrified that we're going to go. We can't have that, so let's overreact. Well, and well sign let me tell contract. you this: being scared like that is it put the Jaguars in the position that they're in. True. Yeah. And but, and to be and to be honest. I mean, at least Blake Bortles puts up touchdowns. Maybe it doesn't matter when he puts up touchdowns, but at least he puts up touchdowns. It's the oh but Jesus, oh my, Jesus! It's the Blake, <laughs> it's the Blake Peterman when the ball goes in the air. Yeah. There's a touchdown being scored. Yeah. It just may not be in the direction I, you want I, it. But that's my safe word again. Yeah, <laughs> pumpernickel. Here, here, here's my thing on uh, on Marcus is that I want him to succeed so so badly, but I'm also a, a realist. I don't know if he is, and if I were to bet, I would definitely bet that he is not. Ominous tones. Yeah. Mm. Like, I just, I just, I don't, I I don't think that, the last two years are going to be muddled because everybody's going to say there's a lack of weapons and then there's injuries, and those, I don't view, excuses can be realities. They both can, that can be an excuse and a fact. Yeah. Doesn't mean I'm negating all those excuses. I'm just saying it's we've seen 2016 Marcus these last two years and maybe four or five games. Yeah, that that's an issue, especially when his availability at games is always in question. And I, but I want if Marcus Marcus has to put together for him to get a second contract, 
really has to put together a 16-game season, show that he can stay healthy, 25 to 29 to 25 to 30 touchdowns, single-digit interceptions, and at least 35 to 4,000 yards. He's got to, and because that's how you win in the NFL. Defense is great and all. Don't get me wrong; you can't really not win without defense, but you kind of can too. The only, I think, uh, the only top ten uh, scoring defense was the Patriots. Everybody else was out of the top ten. We have a top three scoring defense. We our problem was that we were the 29th ranked offense, mm-hmm. and now if Art Smith. Let's say that even if we, we were 9-7 and seven with a 29th-ranked offense, if we were even probably the 22nd-ranked offense, we would have been probably 10-6 and six or 11-5. and five. Our offense has been holding us back. Hopefully, Art Smith and Marcus can carry us over that hump. But let's not, be, let's not put it all on Marcus. The, he's going to have to get some help. He cannot – it's okay that your franchise quarterback can't – be Aaron Rodgers and turn, you know, or Andrew Luck and turn Mo Alley Cox into a Pro Bowl tight end. It's okay that he can't do that. I mean, but we have to understand he can't elevate the team. We're gonna have to get him help. Yeah, I, I'm I I'm so torn on Mariota. Like I, I feel like most people are. Right? It's and a tightrope you have to walk when you talk about Marcus too. Yeah, and, and because people get so sensitive on both sides of this, yeah. because you are either an, a Mariota apologist because you point out some of the things around him have sucked, which they have, um, or you're a Mariota stand because you say, "All right, well, he can do no wrong," and. You know, every it's everything around him that's terrible, and it's never his fault. You know, and then you've got the hater on the other side that's no Mariota. If if he was any good at this point, we would be seeing it on a regular basis. And I kind of fall somewhere in the middle, and it's not a cop out. It's just where I, I honestly feel about the guy. I think he has shown flashes. 2016 was great. 2015 was was really good too. So yeah. He's and people forget that. because of the losses, but Marcus yeah. is really good in 2015. He was. I mean, I, I was extremely excited about him uh, after coming out of his rookie year. And I feel like the injuries have taken a toll. I feel like he's just, you know, the constant changes in systems and targets around him have taken their toll. And I feel like he's not a very confident player right now. You know, I – I think he's got he's got a little bit of the the fire and the swagger and everything like that, but he just it doesn't feel to me like he's a guy that knows that his guy's going to be where he's supposed to be and is fully confident in the offense just being able to go attack because it always feels like he's just a little bit tentative or he's just a little bit hesitant and that hesitance kills you. And if you look at the stats about, like, the sacks that I talked about in that article, his percentage of being sacked to being hit was so enormous this year, which when you look at that and you look at some of the other stats about, like, unassigned sacks and stuff like that, it really paints the picture of a guy, and the film backs this up, of a guy that just – when he – Feels pressure. He pulls the ball down and looks to run away. He does. He doesn't try to make the throw. He doesn't throw and Noah hits coming. I mean, 
yes, he will do that every now and then, but he's not doing it on a consistent basis. These other guys are doing it on a very consistent basis. And he's all, almost never doing it based on the numbers. So I, I just feel like there's reasons for that, but it can't continue. At some point, he's got to get over trust issues with the receivers, trust issues with the offense, whatever it is, and let it rip. I mean, and I think Vrabel has talked about that all season. You know, we need to get him to a point where he's just ready to let it rip and let it let go. And I think there can be a point where you are too afraid to make a mistake that it hinders your play. And, I mean, I, I see that in day-to-day life, not that it's anything like playing NFL football, but if you're too afraid to make a mistake, you're never going to reach your full potential. And you see that with a guy like Mahomes. Mahomes threw 15, what, 15 interceptions this year? Yeah. But he also threw 50 touchdown passes. So he turned the ball over twice as much as Marcus did. But the Chiefs would give that in a heartbeat because he's going up and down the field scoring constantly. Yeah, so, it's not – and I don't mean to cut you off. That's – with the Chiefs and with Mahomes and what you've got to be so happy as a Chiefs fan to realize – I hope that you realize it is that it's not just that – he's got this raw talent to be able to throw the ball. It's not raw talent. It's like this, there was a specific play yesterday where um, the defense is closing on him very fast in the backfield, and he knew to hold on to the ball just long enough so that when the defender was in his face, he could sidearm the ball just enough to get it to Sammy Watkins. Yep. I was. It's that kind of like year three, year four talent that – that Mahomes has up front. And my next thought was, I don't know that Mariota can ever develop something well, close and, to that. And here's what the, 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 the Marcus stands will do. They'll, th- they'll throw you two or three clips of Marcus doing something like that and think that, well, Marcus does it all the time. I don't know why everybody is all up on Mahomes. It's because Mahomes does it four or five times a game, Constantly. not four or five times in his career. And, and I, right. And, and that's I know, the, and I know they're two different quarterbacks. Right. And everybody's like, well, Mahomes will never repeat this kind of success again. Okay, so he'll never get 5,000 yards and 50 touchdowns. Oh, my gosh, I guess the Chiefs will have to settle for 4,000 yards and 35 touchdowns. <laughs> my God, that's yeah. so bad. I, I would kill. I would kill for someone to beat Matt Hasselbeck's for single season <laughs> passing yeah. record, what is it, thirty four hundred yards yeah. or something? I, we like? can't it's do it. I like it. It's just it's like we're allergic to it, and and that's my biggest thing is that getting Marcus, we weren't supposed to be allergic to passing the ball, and it's it's a mix of so many things: bad play calling, bad game plans by by Lafleur and Robisky and Jason Michael and Wizenhunt getting him killed. There, there's a lot to it. I understand. But there's also where is the faith factor from not only the quarterback to receiver, like you said, mm-hmm. but it also kind of seems like do do the teams not think he can throw 30 times a game every game? It yeah. makes you wonder that uh, what are they seeing that's preventing us from doing a pass-forward game plan every week in and week out? I mean, even looking at the Texans game, he still only – that amazing Texans game, he still only threw like 20-something passes. Yeah, he only attempted 23, yeah, I think. I yeah, I mean, that's not enough. And can he sustain a year-long week, week in and week out of 35 to 45 passes a game, which is pretty much the norm, it feels like? Yeah. We don't know. And that's the big thing around Marcus – we don't know. And I kind of wonder, like... Year four, or year five, we I, don't know. I yeah. kind of wonder if 
all the injuries, all the changes, all the adversities faced. And I mean, it's not shocking that he has confidence issues because of that. Like he can't feel his hand early in the season. He was getting chased around the pocket all the time. He's, you know, learning a new system. It's not shocking that he's not like, I'm going to go out here and score a touchdown. Um, but I wonder how hard that is to get that confidence back. Yeah. I, I wonder if it's possible. I honestly – It's going to have to happen. I honestly think we'll, we'll we'll have the answer to that question this year because if it is just a confidence thing, he's got to find a way to overcome it. And if he can't, then it's just going to result in what we've already seen, which means he's not going to get a contract and that'll be the end of it. But unfortunately for Mariota, like it or not, it has to be a significant step forward this year. Yeah. I mean, almost to the level where it, it would have to be kind of unprecedented. He's got to find a way to bury those ghosts if it's a confidence issue and, and move forward and start yeah. throwing the ball without thinking of the consequences of what's going to happen next because he looks like a man playing scared. If he gets 35 touchdowns because he's a gunslinger and also gets 15 interceptions with that 35 touchdowns, take that I don't fucking give a yeah. shit. I will take that trade all day yeah. long because you're getting what the gap between he threw what 15 touchdowns this year, yeah. maybe so 20 extra touchdowns versus seven extra interceptions. I will take that all day. Right. I mean, and that's not an uh you know a hard to reach kind of stat line either. Really, in today's day and age, yeah, it's it's not that hard. It, and it, I feel like I feel like. Marcus and I feel uh, I'm sure we're about to talk about J Rob after the break, but I feel like they have been making it hard for our. our I think the Titans have been making it hard for decades. Uh, yeah, they're, they're yeah. way overthinking how to win in the NFL. I mean, it's it's right there, fucking in front of your face. You run the ball, you run a shit ton of play action, and you throw it. Yep. Yeah. They just want to run the ball, and you know uh, we'll try to get by with 20 or 20 passes a game. Yeah. You just can't. You throw it on when, first down, please. When, and, you know, I know people get after Malarkey a lot. And, you know, oh, he's just he's just a big old dummy who just wanted to run the ball all the time. Well, LaFleur did the same thing. Yeah. And everyone before the season was hailing LaFleur as, you know, oh, he's going to be this new age coach. We're going to throw the ball all over the yard. At some point – you know, if, if Art Smith comes out and does the same thing, you're going to look at three different offensive play callers in a row and say, oh, well, they're just idiots. They just don't know how to use them. Or is it possible that it's personnel, that it's Mariota related and they're going, this guy isn't fully getting it. We've got to find a way to make offense around him. And I feel like there's moments where Mariota is great. But every quarterback has moments where they're great. You can pick out the worst quarter. You could take Andy Dalton, or you know he's not the worst quarterback in the league. But you could take a quarterback like Andy Dalton. Yes, Andy and Dalton line. I could show you a game where Andy Dalton looks like, I mean, Tom Brady, like well, it, unreal. Speaking of Blake Bortles earlier, yeah. there's games where Blake Bortles last year in the playoffs. What was he? He was four and zero versus Steelers. Yeah, through he the air. shredded the yeah. shredded the Steelers in the playoffs. There, every everybody can have one game. That's why I hate when people say when I say when I make a complaint about Marcus, they'll throw me five clips uh, or six clips, no matter what it is. Yeah, 
okay, but we're talking about his career. We're not talking about six different I'm, moments. Okay. We need many moments. Throw me all the clips you want. Why are yeah. we sitting there having this conversation? Yeah. Where are we right now? Yeah. Where are the Tennessee Titans? I mean, I'm sorry, you can throw all those clips out there all you want, but I'll make the unfair comparison. Patrick Mahomes and his freak ability to to recognize what second, third, and fourth-year quarterbacks sometimes just come to realize are the reason why they were playing for a Super Bowl and the reason why they were a crappy overtime rule away from getting in the Super Bowl. We're five years in with a quarterback that we're still sitting here having this conversation. Stop throwing me clips. Like, well, yeah. stop throwing clips at me. One last thing. Stop throwing the, me clips, dog. I know everybody said go, going into this season, the Winston versus, uh, Winston versus Marcus debate is over and Marcus won. It's not over. With Bruce Arians down there, he's going to get the most out of Winston. And you're going to see a turning point out of someone's career that you really thought was dead in the water, and you hope that is what Art Smith can do. I don't know. I think I, it's over. I don't know. <laughs> I, don't. I, I think that's a Jameis Winston problem. I think that is absolutely a Jameis Winston we'll, problem. We'll see. I could see I, – I think it's a great fit from a talent yeah. standpoint of player and scheme for, for Winston and Arians. But, yeah, I mean, we'll see if, if he can put it together. But – I mean, it's not that different from – I mean, obviously off the field and leadership yeah. and everything else, clearly Mariota is a way, way, way better person and <laughs> yes. and leader than Jameis Winston is. Are but you not all, a W eater? All, no, I'm strictly, uh, strictly not a W eater. <laughs> um, but but Mariota is just he takes a step forward, he takes a step back. He takes a step forward, he takes a step back. And it's just, yes, there's reasons that it could be not his fault. But at some point, you've... In, in the, here's, here's one, one last thing. <laughs> I know this is the second one last thing here. But people, every time you bring up Mahomes or you bring up, you know, any, you know, Deshaun Watson, you yeah. bring up any of the other, you know, good young quarterbacks in the league. They go, well, you can't compare him to that guy. Look at the, look at X, Y, and Z. Or, you know, you can't compare him to Tom Brady. You can't compare him to Aaron Rodgers. Why not? Well, who the hell can I compare him to? Yeah, if, am not? I only comparing him to Andy Dalton? Because that's a pretty low standard. Yeah. They have one at. of 32 existing jobs in the world. Yeah. Like, get the hell out of here. Yeah. Yes, you absolutely can compare him to that. Because... Yeah. There is not a, an owner or a coach or a talent evaluator out here that's going into the draft going, I hope that we draft the next 22nd best quarterback in the league. Exactly. <laughs> They're all in there to get the next Tom Brady, the and next listen, Patrick Mahomes. You may not think you can compare to you can compare him to a different quarterback. Other teams are. Oh, 100%. They're, yeah. they're com other, when he's hit the – if he hits the market, they're going to be comparing yes, to him. And you're looking I, – I don't care what anybody says. They say, well, Marcus is going to go somewhere and he's going to be awesome. Unless he goes to the Patriots, you're looking at a fucking career backup quarterback once he lives here. I mean, depending on how this year plays out, yeah. absolutely. Yeah, if I he has another so, no, year I, like he did, you're looking at a career backup and he is going to go down as a – I think he'll go down as a bust I mean, if, if he leaves here. If – the the thing for me that drives me crazy about Marcus is the physical talent I fully believe in. He's yeah. got the arm. He's an accurate passer, which I think is so rare and critical. But he everything to me is between the ears with yeah. him. And yeah. and it's not that he's not a bright guy. He's a very bright guy. I just don't think he sees it and feels it the way that some of these other guys do. And, you know, that's – not necessarily his fault, but that's just kind of what it is. Yeah. Well, we'll talk about another guy who's all between the ears. 
right after this break. <laughs> All right. Well, let's uh, let's talk about J Rob. We did a temp check on uh, Marcus. Now let's talk about Jean Robinson. What did we call him before? Johnny R. Johnny, Johnny R. R. Johnny R. John. John Robbie. Johnny Robbie face. I don't want to talk about that. <laughs> well, here, here's how I feel about Johnny R. And oh. I am <sighs> hashtag Johnny R. I was I was all in the trust in J. Rob, uh, or trust in Johnny R. Or in J- Johnny R. We trust whatever you want to say. Uh, I I think this year is just as much of a prove it year for Marcus as it is for Johnny R. And God damn it. <laughs> And and to me, it's because he's failed numerous times at defensive tackle. He has failed to surround um, Marcus with legitimate weapons, Le- legit proven weapons. This, the, I don't care what your hot takes are about what the talent is at the wide receiver position in free agency. There is plenty there that is going to be an immediate upgrade as our number two to get some pressure off of Corey Davis. They have to get a free agent wide receiver, and I think they, in my opinion, they have to get a free agent wide receiver and draft one. I, I, I think Tajay. I love Tajay Sharp. Y'all know I love Tajay Sharp. I don't, for the record. It, there are plenty <laughs> of more explosive Tajay Sharps in the draft. I like all of them. Yeah, <laughs> I know everybody likes Taewon. I know. I know a lot of people are still holding out hope that Taewon is going to put it all together. There are plenty of fast guys who can actually run and run the correct route, the right route, better than Taewon. I'm not saying we got to get rid of Taewon. He's a great fourth or fifth option. But we need to take, we need to find a receiver in the draft, and I think there's plenty out there that is the mix of Taewon and Tajay. Uh, one receiver that can do all of that. My thing is, is that J-Rob has to surround, surround Marcus with the weapons because then there is no excuses, right? Nobody can think and say, well, you know, J-Rob didn't, you know, give him that excuse or, or J-Rob didn't give him enough talent. It's another failed experiment by J-Rob. He's got to well, fix that. And he's got to, to be, he's got to, to do honest, the same thing though, for Casey. Regardless of who they bring in, they could bring in Golden Tate and whoever, you know, whatever you yeah. want to say, the number one wide receiver. Say they bring in Golden Tate and DK Metcalf. Yeah. If, if those guys come in and Mariota puts up the same numbers, they're just going to say, oh, those guys suck. Yeah. Well, yeah. and, and the, the Mariota yeah. apologists are never going to stop. But at that. least, but at least Johnny R at least tried. Right, right, right. And and the other thing is, is you got to do the same thing for Jarrell Casey, Jer- yeah. where we keep wasting Jarrell Casey by bringing in these. And we we thought Benny Logan would be pretty good. I mean, we said it here on the podcast. We thought he, he next to Casey, he'd be better than he was. I'm, he kind of did what he was advertised to do. See, I mean. I'm I'm willing to give John John Robbie Cakes a little more. <laughs> leeway than I am the Mariota situation because that's such a much more complex position and I think overall he's done an okay to pretty good job I would say a B minus C plus and probably going in the year I was thinking B plus A minus consider the ineptitude that this team has shown and this organization has shown in the past sometimes border borderline just straight up not giving a shit I, I'm I'm okay with where we're at with uh, what did I just call him Jimmy John Robbie muffins? That's where I'm going with. Yeah. Well, my thought I'm kind of with you. Uh, What's his name? Gillum. Uh, John John Robbie Bob. There we go. Um, he's. Uh, I feel like I'm I'm kind of with you in that 
I don't think he's anywhere near the hot seat right now. I think, yes, he's had some position struggles. Wide receiver, kind of. I mean, Davis is an upgrade over anything we've seen in a oh, long yeah. time. No doubt. Um, but, you know, defensive tackle hasn't been great. But he's rebuilt the entire back end of the Titans defense into something that's really impressive. I mean, the defensive backfield, the linebackers are really fantastic. He's the linebackers that he drafted. I mean, yeah. if you look at Rashawn Evans and Wes, uh, Jayon Brown, Brown, I mean, those are players that he drafted. Yeah, and and he's found some steals, you know, Bayard and Brown being the, the top, you know, among that group. But and if you also look at it when – I know, the you know, we're kind of hating on the offensive line right now because of some of the issues they had last year. But if you look at where they, they were in 2015 yeah. to where he got them very quickly, it was night and day. And, I mean, would think what you want about Ben Jones or Josh Klein, but – they're serviceable level NFL starters. And if you look around the league at some of these other offensive lines, not, not including some of the really good ones that we're seeing in the playoffs right now, but if you look at teams like the Texans, teams like the Seahawks, they've got way worse <laughs> groups up front than the Titans do. And I think he's moved that needle quite a bit. So he's done a lot of good. He's done some things poorly as well. But I don't know. I, I'm pretty comfortable with him, and I think he made a good hire in Vrabel, which he should be given credit for. Um, I don't know. I think I think he's doing a good job. I, I don't think he's above and beyond reproach, but overall I think he's, sure. I, he's doing well. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm going to cut you off. I, I think that's a position that you got to have some patience with. Oh, I, yeah. I really do. That's a, that's a situation you've got to have some patience with. His, his seat's not even close to hot. It's no. just a yeah. nice, cool cloth seat temperature. Yeah. <laughs> cloth seat in January. Cloth seat in January and a Honda Accord. 100%. I don't even think it's January. It should be like an April level seat. April gets some... fucking bullshit in Tennessee, though. One day it's like uh, 65, and then it's like 80, asshole. <laughs> and it's like, yeah, so I think it's like end of March. Yes, smart weather. About like a smart. 67. Yeah, I mean, nobody's blasted farts into he the He hasn't. Yet. He hasn't made any. Like he hasn't. Who is the he? players that he he has hit on have been at non sexy <laughs> positions, and of course by he I mean John John Cake Factory. I don't know. We're gonna go with Ke- John John Cake Factory. Um, <laughs> John John Cake Factory. He hasn't hit on sexy positions. He's hit on linebackers. He's yeah. hit on safeties. Yeah. He's hit on. Offensive lineman. He's hit on the guts of a. He's of hit the on team. the guts, which is great. He also he was the one who did the Dennis Kelly trade, right? Yes. Yeah. Um, That's a robbery. Yeah, <laughs> that was a robbery. He's yeah, you done, can't even call that a trade. That was a that mugging. Is a, yeah, late late night. That was dark a your money and your wife's gonna spend the weekend with me. <laughs> <laughs> that was Bill Vinovich in New Orleans this weekend, kind of robbery. <laughs> He's done great things. He's just either not directly hit on the sexy positions, the quarterback. He hasn't directly hit on wide receiver, which is a tough, tough position to turn around quickly. There's not a lot of Juju Smith-Schusters out there. There's not a lot of, like, second-year guys who are going to, like, get it and take off. Uh, Unfortunately, I mean, in his defense, this is a town that is not exactly going to be a free agent attraction. 
we're a small market team. We're not going to, it's harder for us to get those kinds of guys. Um, so building through the drafts tough. He's done a very good job of it so far. We just have to wait and see. And I will say this. It seems like every year that we're in need of something as far as a team, free agency in the draft just seems to line up. I mean, the draft and is real, and free agency have potential to be really good and flooded with edge and wide receivers and both yeah. both that. And if you're still looking for offensive line, the offensive linemen in this year's draft are head and shoulders above probably the last couple of drafts that we've had chance to even try to draft one. So I I think there's going to be, this is going to be a, it's the path is there easily for a John John Hotcake Factory. <laughs> Uh, revival tour to revive his his name is not very well revered currently among a lot of fans because they want him to make a big splash in free agency to get Marcus to help. I, I I'm with you guys. I I know I said this is a year a prove it year for him, but it is in a sense that I don't think he's going to get fired if he just doesn't do anything. I I, I don't think that. But I think this is a, a, a big turning point in his career that we will come back to, regardless of what happens with Marcus. Did he do enough? Yeah. And and I think that's where we're at. I have faith that he will still. I still believe in John John Hotcakes Factory. <laughs> and uh, at yeah. some point, a fan base, the fan base has to have some level of patience. I mean, I, I know we all want instant results. We all want... Oh, uh, you know, Sean McVay comes in immediately. We're going to the Super Bowl, you know, but the best teams are teams that find smart people and let them do their job for a long time. Um, and I think we've got that in John Robinson, Mike Vrabel. I've never felt quite this confident in the, you know, top duo in the organization yeah outside of probably going all the way back to the Fisher years at least and probably pretty deep in the Fisher years. Um, so, And I think Amy Adams-Trunk needs yeah. a little bit of love for that. I, sure. I was about to yeah. say, you got to include the owner in that. It, I wouldn't trade really that combination of the three, the owner and going, all that, yeah. for very, for I've, there are very few other organizations I would trade those going for. Going from late stage Bud to this. Yeah. Don't yeah. forget Tommy no, Smith. Oh, Tommy, Tommy Smith. I was just going to say. Tommy what Smith, a what a nightmare. Yeah, but anyways, continue, yeah. sorry. But I think you have to you have to let them do their job, and you're going to have some bad years. I mean, sometimes shit's just not going to stack up right. You're going to have all the injuries at the bad spots where you couldn't have the injuries. You're going to come up against a shitty schedule. You're going to have the ball not bounce your way, and you're going to have a 6-10 and 10 thrown in there every now and then. That doesn't mean we fire everybody immediately. You know, say what you will about the Bengals and, you know, Marvin Lewis, but they were pretty good for a long time. Now, they never got to the next level. I think part of that's because they never found a quarterback that was worth the damn. I mean, they stuck with Andy Dalton for forever, and he was never going to become anything more than Andy Dalton. But, you know, they let Marvin Lewis do his job and they got a lot of success out of it. They went to the playoffs, what? At least three or four times. No, it was it was more, more than, than that. that. Yeah. You, yeah. I think they went to the playoffs almost half the years he was, you know, head coach, which is pretty good, honestly. That. I mean even if they were all first round losses. Yeah, they were all first round losses and that sucks. So yeah. I mean, you certainly don't aspire to that, but I do think you look at the Steelers, you look at the Ravens, you look at you know the Patriots obviously 
these are all franchise in the Saints. I mean, these are franchises that have had their head coach and GM in place for forever. They're they're on the same wavelength. They're, for the most part, they promote from within. Yeah, they're promoting from within, and they're building. They they have a system in place that is continuous. They fit pieces in and fit pieces out as they go. It's not this hodgepodge because every time you change directions with a, a GM. You all you bring in a new GM. The new GM wants to hire his coach. The new coach wants to hire his players. And so you've got this big chain of events where now you've got all these contracts cycling in and out and you're changing out all these parts. And it's like, yeah, that's going to take a little while to come together. Yeah, and all your scouts have to learn the ways that this guy likes to operate. It's a all big damn problem. Coaches, it's, yeah. I mean, it's like reinventing a company from the ground up every yeah. time it happens. Yeah, you can't do that every three years, even no. if it's like, Oh well, we just we, we're nine and seven every year. You know, there's a lot of things worse than being nine and seven yeah. every year, especially in the beginning stages of a new regime that is trying to build the right way. We've got to give them some time. Yeah, I know. I know that we're running out of time, and I, We've I, been I have, out. I, yeah, I have to get <laughs> to my Art Smith facts. But real quick, Mike, we'll just let you rant about John Ledyard. Oh God! All right, so I like John Ledyard a lot. Let me let me start that out. I respect his draft takes. I think he puts in the work on scouting, and I think those guys at the draft network are doing a great job. If you want, you know, great big boards and a lot of good draft information, definitely go check out thedraftnetwork.com. That being said, but he posted his mock draft today and had the Titan Titans taking DeAndre Baker, the corner out of Georgia in the first round at 19. And I just about threw my chair out the window because it was like the third, third time I think I've seen a corner mock to the Titans in the past couple weeks. And I don't understand where this is coming from. I, I guess I do to some extent, but it's so lazy. You look, you hear all the crap and I know the Butler stats were getting passed around, passed around on Twitter about midseason about, oh, my God, he's allowed the most touchdowns and yards to any receivers ever or, you know, of any player in the NFL. He's the worst corner in the NFL. Belichick's such a genius for letting him go. That narrative went out there and has just never been corrected. And if you look at what he did over the back half of the season, literally the best cornerback in the NFL statistically. And – I would say the tape backs that up, and as someone who watches every single Titans game start to finish multiple times, and not just I watch it and then watch the game again on replay while I'm like texting my buddies and stuff like that, I'm watching it and like watching the coaches film, scrubbing it back and forth. I I know this team. Malcolm Butler was good. He was really good, and there was moments in the early part of the season when he was really good, too. He just had a few bad moments where he was pressing and trying to make a play and fucked up. And, yes, he cannot continue to do that and still be that worth that contract, but there is no way his performance in 2018 is worthy of them drafting a first-round pick corner and sitting his ass on the bench paying him $51 million to ride the pine. What... What kind of team building is that? Especially when you've got the, what Mike Dettelier on 3HL today just called the best defensive line cap, the best defensive line pass rush class he has ever seen in his years of studying the draft. And he's, he goes back a long ways. So the Titans desperately need a pass rush. 
of the top three uh, players on the team in sacks in 2018, we had a cornerback, two inside inside linebackers, one edge rusher in Jarrell Casey. And the edge rusher was obviously Landry. So that's not good. That means you can't get pressure. And if you can't get pressure, it makes your cornerbacks look worse. So Adoree Jackson, Logan Ryan, and Malcolm Butler, for my opinion, should all be handed medals of honor for helping get us to the third-ranked scoring defense in the NFL last year, despite the fact that the quarterback was basically getting eight Mississippi in the pocket before anyone got anywhere near him. I mean, you put a decent pass rusher you, in, like, the, the problem with Ledger's draft, too, is it's not just that he took a corner. It's that he took a corner with Jeff Simmons and uh, Montez Sweat and Jachai Polite all sitting there on the board, which would all make so much more of a difference for the Titans pass rush than any corner would becoming the fourth corner so we can run dime all the time or what I, you know, I don't know what the end game is here, but anyways, I do not mock a cornerback in the first round of the Titans ever again. You've been warned. You've been warned. You've been warned. I'm coming after your ass. You've been herded. That's an F words promise. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) We're not going to harm anyone. Uh, Disclaimer. Uh, you said you had Huxley art is not promising yeah. that. I got some art facts that I, I I know a lot of people said that he didn't have a Wikipedia page. But do we get I, the music? Artifacts? Oh yeah, I can do. Are they artifacts? <laughs> artifacts. Is I got what it. This is called. I like it. Hashtag artifacts. I will. I now these are Good you job, know Michael. things I've, I've found through my own investigation. Uh, now I'm pretty good at investigative journalism, as from all the all the uh, <laughs> things I found out about the offensive coordinator position the last week. Hashtag Manion. Yeah. Hashtag Manuary. Um, <laughs> so here, here's what I. These are quotes from other people telling them to me. So I'm just reading the quotes verbatim what they they told me from inside the Titans organization. I once saw him eat a whole live chicken. <laughs> wow. A live chicken. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> One guy said that Arthur Smith once showed me a video of him making love to my wife, and it was the most beautiful damn thing I ever saw. <laughs> One person said he makes brooms somewhere in Georgia. Oh. He, d- he did all the makeup on the Planet of the Apes movies. Of course he did. <laughs> he once inhaled a seagull. <laughs> By accident or? I didn't really. Yeah, it doesn't matter. <laughs> well, with a man with a history of eating live chickens, yeah. that's not That's, oh, nothing. that's nothing. That's yeah. not as insane. He once gave a hand job to a manta ray. Oh. <laughs> That's dangerous. That Slippery. killed Steve Irwin. <laughs> this guy says, I remember one time Ark took his family to SeaWorld. They were watching Shamu the Well when Ark got splashed. So Ark yells, I'm Arthur Smith and no one gets me wet. So he climbs into the <laughs> tank, grabs Shamu and throws the well into the audience, splashes him and yells, how do you like it? And then damn if Ark didn't step in there and finish that show. <laughs> what a man. I think we're in good hands. Yeah. Art once apparently got his wife pregnant and gave birth to delicious 16-ounce steak, and the afterbirth was sauteed mushrooms. <laughs> That's never, graphic. I'm never eating mushrooms again. <laughs> if you drop a phonograph needle on Art's nipples, it plays the Beach Boys' pet sounds. <laughs> That's my favorite so far. He had a four-day heart attack. Yeah, day for every chamber. When they did the autopsy, they said his heart was like a basketball filled with ricotta cheese. 
His favorite movie <laughs> is The Boy in the Plastic Bubble starring John Travolta. <laughs> Why? <laughs> he he once ate the Bible while water skiing. What? Yeah. Okay. Yep. Mm-hmm. This this last one. I went camping with Art, his wife and his daughter Debbie. Debbie Art, she's seven years old, goes about three feet five inches and fifty five pounds. So I'm in the back of a pickup with Arthur Smith and a live deer. Well, Art, he grabs the deer by the antlers, looks at it, and says, I'm Arthur Smith. Say it. Then he squeezes the deer in such a way that a sound comes out of its mouth. Arthur Smith. It wasn't exactly, but it's pretty good for a deer. <laughs> are, are we done? That, I got more artifacts, no, but I'll, sh- no, I'll say them. I think we're good. <laughs> Not a fan of the artifacts? That was awful. I'm, I'm excited about the hire. <laughs> that was great. Huh? I'm, I'm particularly excited about his taste in movies. Yeah. I'm excited about his taste in uh, Airborne Fowl. There you go. Uh, well, thanks for listening, Efforts. We appreciate you guys listening. And if you could rate us on Apple Podcasts, that'd be great. You can also follow us on Twitter at EdEffortsPod. Uh, make sure you visit Music City Miracles and uh, read all the wonderful content on there for all your Titans news. And, uh, yeah, we're, we're football and other F-words, and you've just been F. Old Jimmy John Robbie Donuts. <laughs> Old J.J. Robbie Snots. Uh, Art Smith breastfeed John Madden. John really? Madden. Ranked 18 in college AP football for next year. He, d- he didn't just come out eating a turkey leg. I thought I thought that's probably how he was born. 